Welcome to Biggest Geekus. We are your hosts. I am Joe. And I am Ryandy. We are your hosts. Oh, look at oh, look at that! I I took care of that. Good deal. Well, this is episode one hundred forty-three of our show, and the date is Tuesday, June thirteenth, twenty twenty-three. We are eagerly awaiting Randy's arrival. He had some issues to deal with at his home. Um. So we will press on. This is Ryan David, obviously not Randy. Um, to those who are watching, to those who are listening, as soon as he starts talking, you'll be able to tell. <laughs> I'm going to leave the nameplate up until Randy gets here. Okay. <laughs> Just because. Why the hell not? <laughs> uh, it's been a fun week, Joe. Yes. Um and we're going to talk about some of that when Randy gets here. He has some questions for you because of um, the fact that we can't, as a as a group of hobbyists, keep ourselves um, from yelling at each other online, even when we're kind of on the same team. Yeah, we we tend to be snarky, easy to agitate nerds. But yeah. um, I was talking to Randy earlier today, and he's like. I don't even know. I'm not even in touch with with, with what's going on. And I said, "Well, uh, this is what's going on." And we said, "Well, see if Joe wants to pollute his wonderful stream tonight." And and you said yes. And here we are. So, um, did you do any any gaming this week? No, no, no. We um. We were going to. I we we were trying to get a Thursday game last this past week, but it didn't work out. It was probably our fault. Oh, 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 oh! There he is. Hey, hey, hey! I'm supposed to do that, <laughs> not you. I'm the one in charge. But David Gwill is saying, "Hey, if Rand, wait, if Randy isn't there, I can't bother him about his adventure." Bother away. It's all you're here, done. so he can bother you now. All right. Hey, guys. Sorry. No, not not a problem. Hey, Randy. I guess I should change my nameplate now. He's here. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I so can you, barely hear you. Me? You're barely hearing me. Well, honestly, Ryan was kind of. Um, making my eardrum rattle so i turned the volume down a little so maybe it's maybe it's ryan and not randy uh, i'll pull myself back here and the chat will let us know if one of us is soft you can do that uh, is that any better not not yeah. blowing your head out kind of loud See, let me back up so i can hear randy better it's all right though i can hear you typing really well <laughs> See there. Well, that's because of the stellar equipment that I have. That's what the ladies tell me. It's stellar equipment. Oh, that's stellar. Yeah. yeah, your sound isn't so good, Randy. For some reason. Uh, well, I'm not using a. I don't know why. I'm not using. Is a, it just me, guys? Can you guys hear them very okay? Um, you sound a Death little. Dog small. says that's more balanced. Oh, okay. Whatever that means. Okay. So if we get if we if nobody can hear you, you need to talk louder. Hello, can you hear me? Houston. We can hear 
You just seem not very loud. Not oh, very loud. Hold on, okay. hold on. Maybe I'm I'm manipulating the wrong volume control. Okay, go ahead. Wow. Yeah, that's Hello. better. Testing one pod. All right. So sounds okay. It oh, sounds okay hello. to me. Oh, I'm, I'm blowing Joe up again. Yeah. So I'm at fifty, like fifty percent uh, volume. If I go up to like seventy-five, like I, I was, I was at, um, I will be deaf in a couple of minutes. All right, uh, Darth, is this better? Uh, you guys, I want to make sure that uh, that I'm not. Uh, that is better. That is talking better. anyone over or talking over anyone, I should say. And your mic is loud. That's good. I'm, I'm really, I really, really pulled back. It's about uh 60% of where i usually go for youtube so wow okay i'm still talking to a pillow huh i have no idea let me do hop you out have, do you have a pillow on your desk nope my room is almost completely clear i'm getting ready to put the flooring in look at that oh yeah so you remember randy's using a laptop for his uh yes. his stuff he is plugged in according uh, to uh <laughs> hardwired into his um network i am uh, randy i'm gonna send you a oh mic. hey <laughs> okay i have mics i should get them out and show them to you i have he's like got um he has a mac so uh <laughs> so um everything so he's what? tried to do sound wise with it has sucked mics don't like mics. i'm gonna get you a mic and a soundboard it doesn't have here here i'll sh let me see if this uh, here's a, here's a little experiment. We'll see if this works. Peek behind the curtain. Um, oh, so you need one of these, my friend. Oh wow, oh, those are expensive. Uh, yeah, but you can get ones that don't light up and aren't pretty and don't have soundboards and stuff that are yeah, not you can get so a cut expensive. Down yeah, and then you can run whatever microphone you have, and legitimately, from a sound perspective, the um, Any $20 commercial vocal mic is going to be better than the $100 USB mic. So oh. okay. that's what I'm so using. Well, actually, it's the, slightly less than. What's the difference? I, I have a couple of USB mics anyway. That's what I've been using. Those suck. Uh, they don't suck. They're just they're kitschy and they're marketed for, you know, people that want to be streamers or want to talk on their computer and want plug and play and don't want that extra board. But if you get a real mic with a real board, blow it away for equal to or less money. Hmm. Okay. What do you, uh, what price range am I talking about? Uh, there, you know what? We'll, I'll, we'll talk off the air because okay. nobody wants to hear this. Sure. But, yeah, nobody uh, cares. Yeah, there's there's good stuff. There's a great mic at Best Buy. It's made by Zoom. That's fifty dollars or less, and it's spectacular. This guy, we're not. You don't want to know. But the the other ones are are all very very reasonable. Yeah, my mine's it was about seventy bucks, and I plug right into my computer. Yep. Everybody says it sounds fine. Yeah, no, it sounds fine. It sounds great. I'm cool with it. Someone said it could be because I have such a... My room is pretty empty now. Maybe that's something about it. I don't know. Echoing. Oh, did you take a bunch of stuff out of there? Oh, yeah. I've cleaned it. I'm getting ready to put new flooring in here, so... Yeah, yeah well, maybe... maybe um, did you have a car carpet or anything on the floor at one point? I had a... Well, originally I had a carpet, but 
that's been torn out for months. I just never got around to putting the flooring in. I did have a big rug, area rug in that, there. That could make it more echoey because the the rug will will uh, absorb some of the echoey sounds and make it. You know, if little, you want, I could grab my uh, I could grab a mic real quick. I think I will. Let me grab a mic real quick. <laughs> See what I started? Hold on. No, always you did That was me. That was me <laughs> complaining. I'm a complainer. I'll go. I'll go silent for a minute. I guess I wouldn't be here if I didn't start problems. Hey, t-shirted, just checking the That's chat. That's what the here. internet is for, starting problems. Maliki, you know, they they I was winning friends and influencing people for the last 2 weeks, no reason not to stop now. The internet is for making people angry and porn. Well, <laughs> That's, uh, uh, see now that's my show I got, I, for, I got, yeah I know we're not exactly I, family friendly because some uh, colorful language flies across the internet through here sometimes but uh, apart from that and I then do we always show, try we to show Im- we show imagery ahead. from books especially the older books and sometimes there's some little line art nudity that's no big deal but I, I try to put the filter in place because I respect your house so well, we appreciate that. Um, we might, I don't, there's none of it, I think, in this uh, issue. We're going to talk about um, uh, an old Dragon Magazine issue. Actually, it was when it was called The Dragon. And oh. this is specifically Dragon uh, Volume, what's it called? Not annual, was it Dragon Annual Best Volume Dragon. 1? Best of Dragon. Best of volume. Dragon. Best of Dragon Volume 1. Very cool. Speaking of Dragon Magazine, I just I, I'm trying in in process of maybe doing a remodel down here in my nerd land, and uh, I uncovered a box of third slash three point five era Dungeon and Dragon magazines that are still shrink wrapped. Holy so, crap! Yeah, you could probably convince somebody to pay you twenty bucks a pop for those or more. <laughs> if you really wanted to i mean i might as well i i could take him to the local gaming store can too and, and see what we could do can you hear that at all can yeah wayne we can I, I don't think that that did Doesn't you sound switch different. it no I, I need to switch it somewhere huh mm. yes and apple is so easy to use you should be able to just type in mike into your search bar and it should give you a plethora of options you should just be able to cresk in it and then or just say ready to go um, computer switch <laughs> output source or input source. <laughs> okay, I just switched it all right can you tell now yes okay better worse much better oh, that's better much cleaner better. okay cool you don't. You don't Before have to we had, eat it. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> if the issues we were having were still related to your not. Uh, you know, wanting to use. You're wanting to use Wi-Fi, and some kind of signal issues. You have a fairly new. You've switched Max since the last time we tried mics. No, what I remember. This, no, no. I'm I'm still at the end of the cycle. The school where oh. I teach, I, I get a new Mac every four or five years sweet all right good we're good then now you're all supposed right. to be running this show mr late uh, boy i'm supposed to be so um first i want to ask ron david what is faux sr oh, can you <laughs> give just, me the definition yeah okay. you're just gonna chop my head off right out of the gate then twitter 
insanity is going to ensue or we're going to report on it. We're not going to do it. We're just going to report on it. I've been thinking of getting a Twitter account just so I can follow Ryan. Sounds like he has a lot of fun. Uh, That's, that's what it's really all about. Right. I I say all the time and we uh, talk about it this week on our show that dropped today as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we all are just, playing ourselves turned up to 11 on Twitter. That's that's really what what the the gimmick is. And some people can't make that disassociation, unfortunately. Uh what is FOSR? Well, I figured it had been about a year since I made it made up a word that caught on. And um I sur- surely wasn't trying, but I just said, uh, you know, there is this contingent of people and not naming names, not throwing people under the bus. I've talked to creators that are like, oh, you're talking about me. No, it's not you. You know, there's a very clear contingent of people that ride the fence philosophically in our hobby. Okay. And it really grates on my nerves. It rubs my rhubarb the wrong way. And they very much profess to be OSR aligned. Some of them, I believe, truly are. All of them are great representatives of the hobby. So I want to make clear, this isn't shitting on people, but people want to turn it into me shitting on them. And right. I'm sorry for the language, Randy. You are al- we are all <laughs> allowed to be annoyed with each other. Correct. Yes. So I said, well, you know, sitting there thinking... How can I categorize these way these folks in a very Ryan David way that's not offensive but gets the point across? And I came up with FOSR. And they don't like FOSR because it's a little <laughs> too close to home. So are you talking are you talking about the gaming style of the OSR or are you talking about something else? I, I am talking sp- specifically about folks that are leveraging us and i say us as in all of us you me joe the people in the chat the people that are playing at their tables week in and week out that are really the core of the hobby they're leveraging us for two things cash and clicks and i'm talking about the people you go to their feed and scroll two screens down and you're going to see three different opinions those that's specifically what i'm talking about some of them are just influencers some of them are regular people some of them are i like to call them community college cup of coffees right they've been around for 30 minutes with 30 followers on twitter they're trying to coattail what they think will gain them clicks or creds Oh, okay, and, they're not okay. Yeah, and it, it, it's so it's across the board. They're it's very inconsistent, and it's very transparent that it's self-serving. Uh, but a lot of our audience, and I mean this in the most loving way possible, a lot of our audience isn't necessarily connected with social cues. Guilty myself, right? Yeah. I I, yeah, I own know. that, and I think that as transparent as it is, it's getting to be like this little cult hero worship because these are the folks these are the big voices and the little folks that are trying to you know scooch in along with those big folks that are the big foes Mm -hmm. um 
it, it's it's very obvious. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to come after Pundit, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm flattered that they came after me and Pundit in the same post. But, <laughs> but, but it's that sort of philo- mindset, that sort of philosophy. So very tongue-in-cheek, I came up with FOSR. I said, this is, you know, this is how you breed miscontent and sparkle trolls. And you're going to end. You're going to end up with one or the other. You're going to end up with more fragmentation in the OSR, which we can't afford right now, or you're going to end up with sparkle trolls. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not really trying to poke any bears. I'm not trying to push any buttons. But uh, as someone in our chat right now, t-shirted historian says, Ryan, you like to kick the hornet's nest, and <laughs> I done punted this one for record distance, gentlemen. Um, I've had private conversations with a lot of people, a lot of creators, a lot of influencers that either right or wrong agreed or disagreed, but at least they came to me. And then there's folks that, that haven't said a word and are, are taking shots left and right, which, hey, whatever. It is the Internet. I can handle it. I've been called everything from a moron to a cripple over the last week. I own it. And yeah, on a bad day, I'm a pretty funny walking cripple. So uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, I thought it was something to do with. See, what I thought was um, I, and I don't want to get too far into this because I can't really talk intelligently about this at all. But someone Tin Car had posted about some Discord OSR guys saying they're not allowing anybody in with the. I thought it was connected to that, but I guess it's not. So there, there are private communities that are out there that are moderated by the big bigs that are sort of sowing the seeds of this discontent. And, um, you know, it's, I don't want to use the term echo chamber because they do have other discussions there, but whatever the cult leaders say goes. And so, so that is, that is sort of a dovetail with it. They do have their own little private areas where they blast us and they think just because there's not an account that says Ryan David that Ryan David doesn't see it, right? Um, but it's 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 weird because man, I graduated high school a long time ago, and I'm I'm not looking to bring that back. I was looking to call a spade a spade, and apparently that's not acceptable anymore for some folks. And, and again, it's not. A majority of the hobby, right? Yeah. Most of the folks are going on, playing their games, having a good time, joking around with us in the chat. But mm-hmm. like all minorities these days, it seems like they are very, very vocal. And oh. so it seems like there's more of them than, than there are. Okay. Um, okay. It's, you know, they're not the bros. They're not the sparkle trolls. They're a little bit of all of it rolled into one. And that's that's an even more dangerous animal. So I, I put it out there and said it is what it is. And people now are calling for my head. So. <laughs> all over all over this gaming opinions. And dude, if Joe and I Joe and I have gotten we probably get annoyed with each other. If we hung out every week constantly, like face to face, we probably get annoyed every week a little bit. And we're we're pretty much two peas in a pod when it comes to a lot of things like 90 yeah, percent opinion. it'll be like randy's uh, as a dm is stingy and uh, <laughs> every it seems like every encounter has to be you know balls to the walls you can't you know there can't be a 
up and down kind no of no time for the week i ain't got time for story beats why can't i be closer for <laughs> for big geek con randy Maybe. Ah. It'd be so yeah. fun. you would so, love it so yeah 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 uh basic expert uh dave uh why who are the bigs why don't you call them out because i'm not looking to sow discontent i'm looking to just put out this is what I see. This is what I think. If you think this this applies to you, or you don't think this doesn't apply to you, you take it for what it is. Right? Don't come at me with with stuff. And I've had creators that say, I had a, a creator in particular. I talked about it on my show this week. That as he was listening to my show last week, got very angry and just launched on me. Oh, and okay. we. And we had a legitimate conversation at the end. And I was like, dude, I like your stuff. I promote your stuff. I play your stuff. I'm not worried about it. I want to stop this before it gets going. Hmm. So yeah, I think whether it's idea. on a Discord or a Gilded or Twitter, I don't care where it is. We mm -hmm. have to pull together because Joe and I were talking before the show started. There's one thing that what you would call our side of the hobby does very poorly is support and rally with each other. And there's one thing that I hate to say it, I hate to admit it, but the sparkle trolls do exceptionally well. And that is that marketing piece, that rallying piece, that supporting piece. Not they, they got it nailed and yeah. we don't. This is not an, I'm not arguing against it, but I will say their advantage is that whatever thing comes out that someone says you have to defend, you have to, to be a part of the club. You just have to, or they'll turn on you. You know, the sparkle trolls, if it says, if this sort of thing is, you, you can't like this guy because he one time, he one time made a drow elf who was evil. And so you have to, and so immediately you have to, you have to jump on that. So that's their advantage. And the thing about, I won't just say the OSR, but the non sparkly people, the thing that we have is we're a lot about individuality. I mean, Joel's a pretty hardcore uh, libertarian, if I'm not misspeaking, and I'm not far from it. I'm more conservative, lean toward Republican. But I mean, in the end, I'm all about personal freedom. Most of us are. So I think I don't think you're wrong, Ryan. I just I'm not sure if we can defeat that monkey. That's a tough one. No, it, it is. And Ponch, I will. uh since you want to put it out there, you're one of the folks that, that emailed me privately and we talked about it. And 100% the lines you have been fed, you refuse to see anything other than what's been circling through that sewer. And I, I, I don't need to get to that level. We all need to support each other. We all need to move forward. But if we can't take criticism without seeing it as a condemnation, then we have a problem. Yeah, criticism's fine. And if we just leave it there, as here's a criticism, and we don't let ourselves get all, panty, you know, our panties in a bunch, because I, I know I've gotten a lot of, uh, um, not a lot, i gotten some criticism about Big Geek Emporium, and I have to look at it honestly and say, yeah, these things need to change, and these things need to improve, and then when someone wants to keep going and get mean about it i just ignore hey and that's part of growing with anything especially as, as a business right i emailed you a couple of weeks ago so draw what the hell yeah yeah <laughs> and, and and you know what we we figured it out we mm -hmm. see that there might be something that there's a space for improvement and in the end yep. did it matter 
No, because there it is right there. Right it's, on. It, it, it's here. So. All right. Well, why don't we uh, go into something a little more positive? That's really. Yes. yes. Let's, about, yeah, let's move on to. Let's talk about dragons. dragons. So this is our second uh, part two on dragons. Um, last week, we went through how dragons were different in all the editions. And I think we came to conclusion. I was listening to this yesterday. Um, I think we came to conclusion that second edition had the. What's that? Huh. Yeah, true. It does. I agree. And David. We should, David, as adults, accept criticism. Absolutely. As given. And not just given. about products either, maybe about no. process. And that's what it was because the process, I think, hits more to the heart than even if you say, oh, this, 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 this rule set is garbage, you know? Right. Uh, when you're saying, uh, your philosophy, your approach is something else. Eh, then you got then you got other things. All right, good, go, Randy. Let's dragons. go dragons. All right, let's get to dragons now. So last week we ranked them, and I think second edition dragons. We kind of Joe, I think we agreed they were they were top in terms of toughness compared to the PCs. But now we're going to delve into something a little more a little more open, where I hope the chat will uh, will. Uh, chime in their own ideas but i first want to talk a little bit about the ecology of the dragon and since ryan's on too i'll let him have his opinion but joe do you do you want to go first do you do you have a thought of how dragons should be used in your campaign if you were running or creating a world how would dragons how would dragons be used um where would they that, appear how common would they be and all that's that um that's such a see an ecology type yeah. question sure I think less is more with that kind of stuff because if you hmm. you can let yourself go really way down a rabbit hole with yeah in a world with dragons what would it be like then you have to figure out well are there a lot are there just a couple um yeah and then you know what do dragons eat because that's how they mostly affect uh, the ecology as and how often do they go on rampages because a, a single dragon can destroy forests and all kinds of stuff that could wreck an ecology, you know, can well, they waste. My thought, I guess, so, I guess I'm not looking for that. Maybe I'm looking for how would you, what thought would you put into how dragons influence the world as a monster? Like we talked about most campaigns use orcs as like throwaway hordes of orcs well how would a dragon appear what would it do um William, what role would it fill in your campaign i mean i have my own right ideas, so but... this is the less is more thing i was saying you, you know okay, some okay. of the ecology of articles can be interesting and but um i had tried at one point that's why i'm saying all this i had tried at one point to see if i could figure out hey in a world with magic what would that logically do compared to what we have now and it's just a rabbit hole that takes too much time out of out of doing anything else because you just think about it too much. There's too many things that would really actually impact. And that's not what we do with when we're gaming. We go and have battles and discover treasure, hidden locations and interesting things. Um, impacts are kind of too high level to worry about, I think, in my oh, opinion. So okay. dragons. They could fulfill a multiple different things. They could be rulers. Yeah. They could be, depending on the power level of your campaign, they could be events or 
um, uh, more RP element in the background because they may be more powerful than your characters can handle. So they would have to be um, dressing rather than things that you uh, combat. So it depends on what you want. Oh, okay. And the dragons right. themselves, what are they? Are they the full gamut? Let's say of the second edition when they started the one, was it 12 age categories with wormlings all the way up to the the great worms where they're, those are forces of nature, almost God, godlike. So there should only be one or two of them on your whole planet, probably. But if you have that whole range of different kinds of dragons, then that, that's a different question than just saying there's dragons. Gotcha. Per se. Ryan, do you have an opinion on this? This idea of how you would use dragons in a campaign? Yeah. More of their influence in a campaign? I, I, I look at dragons, and when, when we're talking dragons, we're talking the full dragon, not like the the young dragon, right? I always yeah. like to throw a young dragon at like a level three party because it gives them the, yeah, we slayed a dragon, you know, that, yeah. that sort of feeling. When we talk about dragons, right, I, I look at them as, well, as the DM, my campaign is a set of balancing scales, right? And the dragons are the large weights that when something needs to swing back into perspective, the dragon is the mechanism to do it. Whether it is good or bad, whether it is evil or chaotic or whatever I need to bring some quick, big swing back into the campaign, mm -hmm. that's what a dragon is for. Um, so it, how it impacts the characters is going to vary from session to session to session and campaign to campaign. But if I'm missing a hole or if there's this this gap in my campaign where I might need a moderate level bad guy or I might need some counter level because this region of the world is too magic heavy, the dragon is it's almost a cop out, but it's a very good go to. It's thematic. It in itself lends to adventure. And, you know, if you have a great, good gold dragon, that can be a benevolent, like, king or ruler, quest giver sort of role. Whereas if you have the stereotypical evil red dragon, you can have the, the evil nefarious bits sort of thrown in. And everything in between. You need the villagers to be, or you need the villagers, the, the players to be steered towards a village. Dragon attacks the village. Yeah, it doesn't think, always have to be players versus dragon. It can be dragon versus environment for that balance, no. too. Right, right. I I always like dragons like you mentioned the small ones. I don't I've thrown one or two small dragons. Like I remember I ran. Uh, oh, gosh, what was that first adventure and third edition? The, they had a series of blue outline rimmed modules and it had a Meepo was this cobalt. Um what was it called? Oh, it's driving me crazy. Anyway, they have a little it's white. Not it's not Return to the Temple, is it? No, no. That, that had a cool dragon in it, too. That had a cool oh. dragon in it as well. Yeah. Um. Oh, gosh. Anyway, there was an early 3E adventure. It was good. I ran the players through it. And they had a little white dragon in it. And it was like the, one of the smallest possible. And I didn't know it at the time because Cook had made the comment, Monty Cook, that the dragons were under CR'd on purpose. That is, their CRs were two or three lower in the book than what they thought they really were. Right. And I thought this party would 
kicked the living crap out of this little dragon and it gave them all they wanted. They were like, holy crap, this thing's tough. Sunless Citadel. Thank you, David Gwill. That is it. And um, But I'm generally not a fan of putting small dragons in. Joe could probably uh, confirm. I don't usually have them fight a small or medium dragon. <laughs> I like the big ones. I mean, I, I want them to huge. Be, yes, I want them to be <laughs> I want them to face them as a terrifying, majestic beast, often a once in a lifetime. And that means for one party, they may only ever see one dragon, though. I've right. always toyed with the idea, like running the red hand of doom campaign where there's lots of dragons and draconic like creatures from back in third edition, third edition. But uh, for my money, I want the dragon to be big, heavy hitter and be big rewards if the players defeat it. It has to be special, right? It's yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. It, it's special. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look up in the sky and have dragons flying left, right, all, all no. sorts of ways. No, it, it takes away the luster, right? It takes yeah. away that shine. And, yeah, it, tur- and, it turned me off a little with um, Forgotten Realms when they would talk about flights of dragons. And they had all these ma- – I remember it was the first edition where they had all these – ancient red dragons outlined and defined in the booklet over here is this red and this white. And I'm like, how can your world survive with that many gigantic, just predators of doom? I mean, I can never get that. Well, some dragons eat meat, but some eat gems and gold and stuff like that. And I mean, there's some books that say dragons can eat inorganic material. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so that's I was no ready to say this. Yeah. Yeah, you caught it there. Ironcaster. So that's yeah. a no on Dragonlance. Yep. And I, I said it's it's not my fave. No. And, uh, you know. Me too. Skewer not, me for that. but Not mine. Yeah, it's not my favorite setting. The dragons were too small in first and second edition in Dragonlance. I didn't quite get it. Like, there is a great, I think it's a great Elmore painting in the second edition wow. Uh, player's handbook where they're all standing by a, a green dragon that's maybe six or eight feet long and i'm just like eh. right at that point <laughs> yeah they're, they're sort of uh you know predicting what what is now where we pretty much have playable dragons right oh you think you think that was a hint for that dragonborn i, I don't know if it was necessarily oh, a, a hint for it but you know it the more you take the special away, the closer to your average PC adventurer you're going to get. And mm. I think Dragonborn was the culmination of dragons no longer being special. Yeah. And T-shirts right here and Joe wouldn't have a problem. Most fantasy world ecology is massively foobar anyway. Try making sense out of it, any of it, and you will lose your mind. Yeah, it's pretty hard to have a super consistent world. i I think I'm with Joe in the sense that I don't struggle with that with dragons. I mean, because, you know, I, I read a Dragon Magazine article that talked about how much food a dragon would have to eat. And they came to the conclusion, I could have sworn it was second edition, there could be only one great worm in your whole campaign. So, unless what they ate was if they like skimmed the ocean and ate plankton like whales do, because they're about, yeah. they're comparable size wise. I mean, I think even in first and edition, there's a lot of whales and they just eat. They just eat, um, no, they don't eat plankton, they eat um, the little, tiny, little, itty-bitty fish of some kind. I can't remember what they're yeah. called. No, I yeah, but. And, Did- and so, but what I was saying earlier, less is more, you just, you put your dragons in there, and you do the things you want to do with your dragons. You don't worry about all that crap. You can think of interesting things that can happen as a result of dragons being there, like 
you could have like um you could have a trade in dragon parts or with lots of you have dragons and giants and demons and everything that's big and nasty you have a trade in body part you know monster parts and that could be a result that you could put in that's cool that you don't have to worry about too much that the players would engage in i know i would that would be awesome now yeah. did they have an actual like and i uh, shoot me you know points off of my nerd card for this did they have an actual this is how much the dragon eats sort of reference or table or did we just look at it from the size of the animal that it is because you know i hate to be the hand waving dm but they're magical creatures who knows how much they have to eat or what they have to correct eat. correct so they are edition, they have to be magical to exist in so, first yeah. or second edition i think they even implied the gold dragons eat gems that's how they say and you know like if it's worth ten thousand gold pieces i think it's probably worth more i mean more 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 satisfying seriously right no so, no no who cares it, it tastes I mean, better gas yeah. station sushi versus the real stuff yeah I think you, you for might, me, you have, I to, just, you have to make sure that the gas station sushi <laughs> isn't expired and smells okay. I don't know how many of you have seen. There's a, I'm trying to remember the name of this YouTuber, and gas station sushi was the subject of his um, video. It's a medical show, mm-hmm. and you talk, and so usually this is this person um, ate 50 million candy bars in one sitting and this is what happened that's almost every that kind of thing and he's a doctor and he says this is what happens when you do stupid things and uh, gas station sushi was one of them <laughs> and but the thing is is he didn't the guy bought the uh, or the girl can't remember the person bought the sushi took it home and then didn't eat it right away and i don't even think they put it in their fridge oh they just kept it at home for a, a day or two and then ate it <laughs> So anything anyway. from a gas station, not refrigerated and then <laughs> being eaten is not a good idea. <laughs> I think David Grill has the best advice, which unfortunately aligns with Joe. And I hate for Joe to have the best advice. Don't sweat all the details that your players are even going to think about since ideally they'll be too busy having fun and doing interesting stuff. Right. So, um, so another a cool idea for having a dragon, like, yeah, and it could serve multiple purposes. You have a dragon in a mountain range. So there's civilization near it. And occasionally you have to go over that mountain range to do stuff. And every once in a while, you might have to make a deal with the dragon to let, for you to be able to pass. Or if you're more powerful, you might challenge it. You might have to defeat it. It all depends on where you're at in your campaign. And you might make a deal with it anyway, because is it bothering anybody? If it's just there. Yeah. And not bothering anybody. You don't need to go you know, kill it unless that's what you do. Is go kill we don't use pay. that road anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And to piggyback. So there's a lot of ways you can just if there's a if everybody, especially if everybody knows the dragons there, I mean, <laughs> everybody except, you know, local retards or whatever. But they know the dragons there. They know it's an issue. And this is how they deal with it. That's a cool way to have it in your campaign. Yeah. Have some effects around the local area. And it could even be become bigger. Let's say there's um, there's some event that happens that impacts, you know, you're not doing it, but somebody else impacts that dragon's lair in some kind of way. Well, if the terrace gets awakened or something, you know, maybe not that powerful, but something similar that's an event. What if there's an earthquake 
you know, and then the there's a cave in and the dragon has to find someplace else to live. And oh. then they do stuff. I like that part of the Dragon Slayer movie. Point blank says, yeah, the lottery. That's kind of that was kind of a cool thing. That kind of felt gruesome. I remember when I first watched it, I was like, dude, they're evil, man. They're feeding people to dragons. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. But is it evil from their perspective, right? It's just, I mean, we know it to be evil, but you could spin it that that's not necessarily the evil thing. It's just what's going on. If they on. want to live there, sure. And it could be that the dragon, that the dragon's so tough. I mean, that's all they could do. It was. That's that, yeah. right. It's either that or the dragon's going to come and pick off more than you're going to give. So yeah. I think it was that tough. There was nobody that could defeat it. They had to have a special um, item that was made with, you know, that that guy made that could cut through the dragon scales, but they also needed to get that wizard there. And I was, that was the other part of the story. He had to get the wizard there, but the wizard couldn't make the trip. So they had to kill him <laughs> and resurrect him on the spot. So yeah. yeah. Oh, spoilers. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <It> has- <laughs> spoilers. yeah. You know, I, I think I have to agree with David Gwill though. I mean, I always like the, I've never found the party, these things we talk about a lot with realism. I've never had players question much. They really don't ask me. We're too busy kicking indoors. Right. Kicking butt and taking names. Yeah. And if your players are questioning a lot, then you're not engaging them enough as the DM. So you've got to really step it up a little bit. It's fine. You're always going to get the one guy. Wait a minute. Let's have a sidebar. That's always going to happen. But if okay. that's happening every session, then you have to question why, how are they not engaged in my world, in their world, that they can, you know, really worry about this minutia? Yeah, especially with a dragon. It's a freaking dragon, guys. Right? <laughs> so if you go with some legends, you can you can talk to some of them. This microphone's driving me crazy. So do I need to ignore it? Can I look right at are you hearing me okay? You, you, you absolutely what, ignore okay. it. See what I'm doing? Mine's right here. Yeah. And I'm all right. Here. I never mine look right. at mine. There's mine. And so okay. You Unless can, I'm doing something all the way. Like, you can put it all the way in your mouth if you want to. But. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> that's what she not as well. <laughs> I'm that's supposed to be right. filtered. I'm on you the are. show. Look at us, man, and, we're, and we're screwing it up, man. All right. Um, yeah, that's so, yeah, true. Um... <laughs> T-shirts got it right. Human beings will fight each other over stupid crap like skin color or a difference of opinion. Can you imagine a world with like even six races, much less 20 plus? Yeah, true. I mean, we have one race. Not without there being constant conflict, unlike in, you know, the current Wizards of the Coast version of <laughs> D&D where everybody... And and Paizo, everybody gets along except for you know the bad guys. And in, in reality, there would be one race in the end because the others would wipe each other out, and that's just probably. Well, the crafting I mean, game in rats. time, oh, in God. time, they would all kind of amalgamate, wouldn't they? Because according to both Paizo and current Wizards Dogma, everybody can screw each other and have <laughs> progeny. So eventually, yeah. it's all going to become one thing, a big, you know, amorphous blob. Who knows what it would be like? Not too spicy, Lord Mateus. We're just talking about sex with humans. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a sidetrack. Hold on. I want to get the crafting gamer. He made a statement, which is kind of a question to me. I'm a player that asks lots of questions, 
IDM, but for more detail. Oh, that's different. Yeah, it's fine if you need more detail. And if you're interested, that's fine. But I think what, and I don't want to speak for you, Ryan, but you're saying- No, you're on the right path. If that's what they're concerned about, like how much does that dragon eat? How did it fly over here? They got bigger things to worry about than how much the dragon eats. I'll tell you right now, he's about to eat six adventurers, so you better figure it out. <laughs> yes. So the response should always be for, for the question of how much does a dragon eat? A lot. A lot. Or, or who, who knows if they found out or if you knew you were the meal and you weren't going to tell that tale. Yeah. All right. What about this? Uh, and I'm going to, because I've got several written down and I don't know if they'll overlap with Joe, but they can overlap with Ryan David because we've never played a game together other than uh, a little bit with t-shirt. We don't think we fought a dragon. Um, what is your favorite um, way that you've seen? What does that say? Oh. Uh, Joe, I want to see your character characters get frisky with the next orc he meets. Yeah. Even the male ones. Yeah. <laughs> Not likely. No. Although my wife played... in orc town, stay in orc town. <laughs> yeah. my, my wife played an orc a half orc and i played a human um i and i didn't do the whole i'm i'm in love with my wife's character no matter what it is she had to find her own her own uh, uh relationship outside of the party <laughs> <laughs> so anyway what are some of your most interesting memorable times with dragons um some of your favorite examples where you've encountered or you created or a dragon has appeared had some influence in the scene or adventure you want to go first well i i remember one of the first interactions we had with a dragon when we were playing okay and because we were so scared of it because you were the dm obviously <laughs> right so <of> course, um, <laughs> Fear me. we tried to talk our way out of it and because we all seen Tolkien. Tolkien Right, Red Tolkien. We all know that we can talk dragons out of you know at least eating us right the moment. Started you know, flattering. To... I think you were flattering him immediately. Yeah, I started flattering, and then I'm pretty sure somebody else decided to ruin the whole shebang and decided Probably. to attack or or to, no no not to attack but try to take some of its treasure. I'm pretty sure that happened, and we were like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and yeah, that was pretty memorable. That was the whole adventure with. With Deer Dom. Yes. Modric, that's when I was in my, that's when my, anagram, backwards. my anagrams were showing. Anagram. Very young. Yeah, very young. <laughs> we, were, we all did the whole the King Arthur's court. You know, they always showed up and hi there. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? You got any memorable ones? Oh, boy. I had uh, probably the longest running campaign that I had that was continuous. Ran about six years. And it was... Uh, third, and then, you know, there was that stop gap, and we did the weird transition where, okay, now we're going to use 3-5, but same campaign. Um, mm -hmm. We had a, an NPC that was the estranged daughter of the big bad, right? And it had turned out that the gold worm that was trying to write things in, in its realm had no choice but to kill the daughter and assume her form. So he was polymorphing into this daughter, and it, it was a really interesting dichotomy. I don't know if you saw, um, what's the TV show, J.K. Simmons, Counterpart, 
where mm-hmm. uh, the worm effectively had to play its opposite self as this, you know, evil monk mistress, where oh. it was really trying to be benevolent. So there was play there. There was play between the dragon in the party and the monk in the party, and the party didn't find out until like level eighteen that mm-hmm. that the two were the same. So it was a very good story that had absolutely no hinges on what you would think for normal, you know, dragon combat. Oh, the, right. here comes the breath weapon and oh, we did the impossible and slayed the dragon. No, it was a, a continuous MacGuffin for the entire adventure. And so it really sticks with me as, hey, that was pretty badass dragon. The only story I had that would be even remotely like that, Ryan, is I had a bronze dragon, I believe, who could shape change into a human. And the PCs interacted with her for probably two thirds of the campaign. And I was waiting for the reveal and they never they never oh. got I never got I never got to reveal that that she was actually a dragon. One of the PCs had mentioned it was like the very first time they met her, and they said, I bet she's a dragon. And <laughs> And they're like, that's stupid. And inside, I'm like, oh, my God, that was a good read. But they never brought it up again. And she was a an NPC that helped them. But they were like, they never thought about it again. I thought I was dropping hints, but apparently I was being too subtle. You cannot be too obvious with player characters. You can drop hints all day long. Um, for me, mine are mostly fighting, but I have kind of two. One I've shared, and Joe, I want to kind of share the one that uh, Joe and I got to experience. That was the actual death of Tiamat. We're talking about the evil queen of dragons in first edition. My players went to the nine hells. Mm-hmm. This is actually when I transitioned from what I would call a Monty Hall campaign, where I was giving stuff away left and right. And uh, just to give you an idea, we had a ninja illusionist <laughs> who had these grenades. Well, right, the ninja great. from the Dragon Dragon Magazine at from the, the Dragon time Magazine that was supposed to be an NPC, and it oh said it God. clearly in the in the thing, and someone twisted Randy's arm into letting them be a an NPC oh. class. Hey, that's I'll how you every, learn, though. <laughs> I let everything yeah. go, and they killed Tim at the first round. And after that, they, they looted her lair in the Nine Hells, and I'm just like, that's when I kind of threw my hands up in exasperation. I said, this is ridiculous. And then about a, I took a week off and thought about it, and said it was kind of on me. So we actually started, and Joe started, well, Joe had been reading the book for a while, but I actually was started using the rules instead of making it up. <laughs> and then they thought, that's where I got my, I think that's where I started my stingy streak. Because yeah, but that was a that was crazy with that with that TMS situation. Let yes, me you overcompensated <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, let me also say that a good mid level dragon encounter where the dragon's big enough to have a horde is spectacular for moving the story along, especially if you don't know where it's going, because those characters cannot loot that horde. What are you going to do with this horde o stuff that you can't possibly carry all of it? You're going to take the prize stuff out, or at least what you think is the prize stuff. And then when you come back, have bandits set up a camp on it? Has another kingdom acquiesced the horde? Is the horde really just a nest for the bigger dragon? You know, it, it sets up all sorts of little things too. And again, that's sort of like that balancing dragon that I was talking about. I that's love what the henchmen are for. Well, no, even with henchmen, I love the fact that dragon hordes can't be looted, right? Or you know what I mean by can't be looted, right? Practically, yeah. 
you can't take it all with you because that opens no. the door for so many more hooks down the road. Not to mention you get the Lord of the Rings thing, the Battle of Five Armies, where everybody goes, oh, big dragon's been killed. You guys take your chunk of the treasure and come back and you got 10 people it's, fighting over the treasure. Right. There's... He took that from my auntie 10, <laughs> ten uh, generations ago. And I right. can prove it. Right. Oh, Flady says, summon the Magnificent Mansion, load it up and whisk it away. <laughs> if, you, if you got that kind of power, yeah, who's going to stop you? Well, they've got, yeah. you know, if you if you let the characters have an instant fortress, Darren's instant fortress, you can do that. Especially if and, the dragon's cavern is big enough for it to fully. Yeah, erect. but how much time are they going to have to take to move the stuff into that's it? The, that's going to take a long time, too. Here's a couple of cool stories from the chat because I don't want to just bore them all with mine. I got several, but Lord Mateus says this way back when. He's got a couple of good ones. I starred your comments, guys. Rolled a random green dragon. The third level cleric stepped up and parlayed while the rest of the party hid in the bushes. It was badass. <laughs> That's, cool. That's what you got to do sometimes. Yep. And relating to something else, I think I said. Um, hold on for a second. Let me shut that one off. Make sure I do this right. Uh, Point Blank said, I am not a fan of dragons polymorphing. That shocks me. I love it. I think the idea of a dragon posing as a lesser race would go against their massive egos. Some of them maybe. Sure. Uh, Martinson says his would be the dragon. Oh, from the R7 Spheres game. Yeah, that was pretty boss. Yeah, Ryan, that was uh, you played third edition, right, Ryan? I did. You did. So um, in third edition, I prepped this dragon for, I kid you not, four hours. I spent four hours on <laughs> one dragon. Well, it was epic, though. It right? was epic. We were it like, characters were close to 30th level. Uh, so, so that's one of the last combats that you're going to have. You need to have it be like cinematic and epic at that point. And it, it was, wasn't it? It actually turned out pretty good, but I got disappointed because the, I, sold, I told it last week, but the party killed it. No. It killed Mercer, murdered the party except for two people. My wife, my wife was playing a three-five psionicist. She did it's like it's called time deceleration and went back in time. They planned for like an hour. They came back together, and that thing. They, my wife cast this epic level disintegrate and killed it with one spell. Oh. And, it saving, and its saving throws were all two or higher. It wouldn't matter what they cast, and I rolled a one. So it was sort of anticlimactic, but the party, dude, they were hooting and hollering. They were loving. It. So hey, hey, that's because there's enough drama in the fact that you needed that one. That's the yeah. only way that it was, you know, yeah. that it was going to going to happen. And that's and that's what happened. So you, I was really stuck in that campaign and I still struggle with this. And Joe already mentioned it, that I want every fight to be meaningful, but it doesn't have to be. Some fights should be easy and the party should get to flex sometimes. Uh, um, let's see. Um, um, yep. Ironcaster, we dangled a DMPC. Shame, shame. <laughs> From a rope just out of reach of a dragon trying to force its way through tight corridors. The character had killed Tiamat and the dragon wanted revenge. Whoa. Should, you should have let the DMPC get eight. That's, the, that's <laughs> the, what DMPCs should that's what should happen to all of them. The DMPC killed Tiamat? That's a dungeon master that has an ego. <laughs> uh, I am I'm gonna take care of this crazy dog. I'll be right okay. back. Let's see here. Uh, Jack the 71st, we had a gold dragon which followed the party, who was a polymorphed cat who followed. Now, it's kind of cool. <laughs> 
And I think Lord Mateus had a comment on a gold dragon too in in disguise. He said, "Upper tier campaign. Party's army is heading toward Thay to take on Zastam. A monk revealed that he was a gold dragon, offered to be the mount for the paladin in the final battle. That's pretty cool. Not bad. We got a bunch of them here. Yeah. Let's see here. We had a group of hirelings who turned into bandits around a dragon horde. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. See, and Go ahead. this Go ahead. is what's really great, is that one little thing that we're talking about, regardless of our experience, has all of these other little things, and everybody's going to share in here and bring them into their stories, too. So, um, yeah, dragons, man. Oh, David Will's got a good one. Says uh, third edition at around twelfth level, they killed a red dragon. DM randomly rolled loot on the spot, ended up with a couple thousand coppers and a <laughs> scroll of tensors floating disc. Oh, they I killed the panhandler dragon. <laughs> I don't think I'm not inclined to roll my dragon's treasure hordes. I'm more inclined to. I mean, if, if, it, if it's going to be a great fight, or if I think it is, I'm going to load the treasure up. I mean, I don't do that often, but that that I would for sure. I heard you never do that, Randy. That's never. the rumor. That's the rumor. Um, I would say that I tend to be more generous at really high levels because why not? They can already do bunches of stuff. You can't really break anything. They're already broken already. When characters get to 17 to 18th level and they're, That's slinging, done, right? yeah, they're slinging meteor swarms. Oh, my God. I gave you a staff of wizardry. Whatever. Oh, I had a uh, wizard that just constantly used innervation so when mm. i was when i was prepping and, and i knew that this was the tactic for the better part of six months i would prep an encounter then i would prep the encounter minus one and then prep the encounter a third time minus two and just have all of the different levels so when that character finally bit it and i did not target it it just legitimately died in combat i was like thank you very much because <laughs> i no longer have to prep seven versions of this encounter every time <laughs> oh i tell you i don't there's the thing about especially with third edition it was so much and i'm a math guy and i teach math i like it uh but it gets cumbersome to calculate all the stats all the time. I mean, that I'm going to talk, talk about that one dragon I spent four hours on. I used the, the Epic Handbook. I had a, it was Colossal Plus. It was, it was ridiculous. I remember ridiculous, ridiculous. And it, <laughs> and it was like, and when they killed it, I was just dumbfounded. I mean, I literally was like, I thought, thought about it. It was funny because they make fun of me. So I rolled the one behind the screen. I'm a screen guy. And I was like, uh it made it saving throw and they're like no and i go no it didn't and I'm like yeah. <laughs> and then i'm like yeah it did and i'm like no it didn't i literally went back and forth and then i just lifted up the screen and they saw the one and they went <laughs> so it was uh it was quite the moment but you know what did takes and i think it's one of the few good things that fourth edition brought uh, yeah. I don't know how much you played fourth edition. About this time. Yeah. We went through it for about a year, right? Mm -hmm. And then found better things to do. Yeah. But the um, monster tools that were online in like the infant stages of what's now D and D beyond or whatever, yeah. the monster tools for fourth edition were exceptional because mm. All of that fiddly bit that you were just describing going through the, the handbook, it was it was easy. It was a menu. Pick, 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 oh, pick. Oh, even for build, building your own monsters? Wow. Yeah, it was, it was the one thing that as a DM I really, 
really appreciated because everything was click and drag. So if I wanted to build a monster, uh, I literally would would say, here's the the target power level or whatever challenge rating, and I could go through menu by menu and pick skills and you could create your monsters with stuff that's already there and already canonized for lack of a better term to make it sort of legitimate but it would balance based on the skills that you put in it's one of the few things that i give props to fourth edition for yeah i think david Gwill's confirming he said you could build anything from level one to 30 in 10 minutes a buddy of mine loved the character builder too he said he wouldn't even play if it wasn't for that now lord we- McFay- go ahead no, we, we used, we used, in fact, my group, we all chipped in. It was 60 bucks a year. Everybody chipped in. It was like 750 each at the time. Yeah. And those tools are what made it tolerable. So. Gotcha. Yeah, because Lord Mateus and Jack the 71st make this comment roughly the same, guys. Fourth edition was pretty bad with the math hammering. I think it was more to the effect he said all the bonuses were hard to keep track of. Tell me what you think because you played it. A friend of mine said it was all the modifiers that were constantly going on and when they would disappear and when they would go up. He said that that frustrated that frustrated my friend or was it actually calculating? Was the mathematics worth, worse than third? I didn't think third was hard, but. I don't think the mathematics were worse. I think the combat was worse because it really took it and and switched it to a tactical war game. Uh, and for my group, it was a hard pill to swallow, and I held on h- longer and harder than anyone in the group, even because we went strictly from theater of the mind. We're not no, no grid, oh. no no whiteboard. We went from that to fourth edition, which was. Did you play third? Well, yeah, yeah, we played third. No theater of the mind, huh? Okay. Um, but fourth edition forced it, right? And so yeah. this was, uh, again, back in the, uh, what, 2007, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. I don't mm-hmm. know. There was a divorce in that time period, too, so the years <laughs> are cloudy. Right. But um, the the push to go digital to a point, I embraced a little bit because I said, well, shoot, if I'm going to have to go on a battle map, I'm going to use Map Tool. I don't even know if map tools still out there now. I'm sure it is. Right. Um, So we, we used map tool. We would literally set up a a screen in the dining room that had the map, have a wireless mouse on the table and click, 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 and just pass it around the table. I liked it, but I hated it because it wasn't D and D. Right. And um, yeah, it was, Um, I don't know that it was math heavy, but mm-hmm. it turned it too much into a minis war game. Gotcha. Yeah. And I see, I thought third edition, because it brought in to me, it was the first time it brought in the utility of um of the miniatures. Meaning, let me rephrase that. They I let me actually use my minis and they meant it meant something to use them. Right. You know, counting squares was initially very cool, and then it wore it kind of wore me out counting squares I'm, I'm more of a range band guy now i would prefer range bands yeah and uh, i i think that for third edition you know we just all at that point were so conditioned that counting squares it was just 5 10 15 20 25 30 you know yeah we yeah. knew we knew we knew yeah. um i agree with you 100 percent on range band um yeah. in the 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 auras that i'm working on i i just nailed it down to what 
what we're going to have for range bands too and decided cool. against any sort of like feet or movement or squares or that sort of thing. Have you played 13 Age? Do you know how they do their... I, I, I do. I like 13 Age. I was a huge 13th Age champion. Careful, Randy. You'll get shit for that. I got shit for that this week. For, for liking 13th Age? For liking 13th Age. Um, I was a big 13th Age champion until they did some recent flapping of their lips, and now I'm, yeah. I went from all in to all out. So I, I was the ready whole, to... Uh, was it the whole uh, um, sensitivity reader thing? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that got that drove me crazy. We had mentioned it once on the show. I just I was excited about second edition. I've met Hein Sue and who's the other dude? I met him too at Gen Con. Um Hein Sue and oh, he did third edition too. Tweet. Tweet, Jonathan Tweet. And they were nice enough guys. Um Hein Sue's nice. Tweet just seems a little odd. Well, to say he's odd. Look, it's a, it's a pot, Look call, pot call in the kettle black. But um I like 13th Age. I, I, oh, did you? Point blank, I have a question for you. He says he loves 13th Age. It's how he found this channel. Did you we listen to talk our, about it a bunch, a bunch about it. Yeah. We did like an eight-part breakdown of 13th <laughs> Age. Joe was like, is this ever going to end? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I get so much. <laughs> 13th Age was the only fantasy system that my group ran since the inception of 5e. That's how, oh. how much we liked it. It was our 5e replacement until probably COVID, right? Not because we didn't have other stuff to play, yeah. but just because it was there. We were in a long-term campaign with it. It works. It was easy to pick up. If you had knowledge of just core D20 stuff, you could play 13th Age. So Yeah, yeah we kind of I fell in love with it. Uh, then we kind of fallen out of love with it. And now I like it mostly for one shots or very short campaigns. Um, I don't it's a great to... pickup game. It's a great pickup game. You can't beat it with a stick. Now, did you play with the straight up setting icons or did you create your own icons? We, I have a whole campaign setting that got nowhere with my own icons. It just died. It might've been during COVID when it fell apart, but mostly we play with the dragon empire. As okay. A... I was going to say, we took the icons as sort of, templates we didn't really change them but we overlaid yes. our own stuff on that's what they so, are yeah yeah yep uh oh point blank all right man good job hope we didn't bore you because we went into super detail okay why don't we talk about alternate takes for dragons then and then we'll move into dragon magazine so i've got like six of these so do you guys want to start room me to how about i start with okay. one so when when you talk when you're saying alternate takes are you saying I'm saying, dragons in a different form or different dragon, uses. So both. How you might use dragons in a, a D and more more of a D and D world, but how you might a fantasy world. How you might use dragons differently than maybe most folks would conceive of them. And let's say different from the D and D dragons, the five or six chromatics and the five or six golds. And I don't mean just adding the gem and the brown and the yellow and the mist and the cloud and all that crap. But you know, how might you? take them in a different way. Let, let me give one. This is a little, a little weak, but I'm sure you've heard of it. How about there can be only one? How about there is something called the dragon and that's it. He could be good or evil. He's enigmatic, very powerful. And no one, you hardly know very little about him, but when he does something, everybody takes notice. What if it's called, he is the dragon of the world. That would be an interesting take. Just one. Sure. Dragon. Anybody got others? Oh, oh, you got a boatload of them, so just, I'll let you guys go. Right off the top of my head, what can I? 
See, I thought you were going somewhere else when you said oh. other, like alternate dragons. I went like hydras, oh, oh, drakes, right, no. that sort of. I was like, how might you use a dragon differently? Dragon would, differently. I would ditch all of the different chromatic and prismatic and crystal, because really, it's too much. I would just say there are dragons, and let dragons be dragons. You don't worry. Uh, are they good? Well, this one it might be. You know, who knows? They're, they, you could just say they are uh, a force of nature. They're beasts. They're magical beasts. Alignment. Who cares? They okay. hoard stuff. They take people's stuff. Some of them may, may just mind their own business. I'm trying to remember what game I was recently reading where dragons were kind of like that. Every dragon was completely unique. I know we made. What, what about the dragons from um, what was that movie? Where it's modern day and they find one in a mine. Oh, I said I love and then that. They movie. Just take over the whole planet. And they eat yeah. the ash. They burn everything and then they eat the ash. Christian Bale's in it. People hate it, but I loved it actually. Uh, it wasn't a very good movie, but Rain, Rain of Fire, Rain of Fire. Yeah, Dude, I so love that movie. they're not necessarily <laughs> all that. They're like more like dinosaur-like creatures, and they they fly and they're big and they're tough. They they breathe fire, and that's it. There's no psionics, there's no speaking, there's no intelligence. They're just real gigantic beasts that are, you know, yep. they'll eat you if they can. See, and I went completely in the other direction now that we had time to to, to let this pea brain formulate something. Mm-hmm. I was going almost um, a, a quasi-Illuminati route with it, where maybe there's... 15 to 20 dragons that have divvied up the world that are really the shadow that are pulling the strings for all of the governments and all of the kingdoms and all of the things. And they have their own society that's in, you know, far away dragon reachable lands. So mountaintops and treetops and like the Antarctic. Yeah. Yeah. And Get out of my head, Ryan, David, that was my number four. Ah! Well done. Well played, sir. <laughs> How about this? What if you did use the chromatics and you went with you went the classic alignment? And what if they were the epitome of the alignment? Let me tell you what I mean by that. They could be the living incarnation of that alignment. Perhaps the death of, say, the chaotic evil red dragon would cause a drop in the acts of chaos and evil in the whole world. He would, of course, come back if you wanted him to. But I mean, what if they were like the the. Uh, focal point of alignment so it, a, a red dragon was the epitome of chaotic evil and if you killed him you can actually take some evil out of the world and they could replace demons and angels where sure. the good dragons the good dragons or could gods, be if you wanted them to they yeah, could be yeah, yeah they could be worshipped mm-hmm. that's true well heck think of 13th age you have the three and you have the great gold worm right yep. they're effectively gods Yep. And I, I do think it's funny that uh, the, the great gold worm is just a big fat ass dragon that's plugging up the, <laughs> the abyss, portal right? to the All abyss. The demons down, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, in my camp, I'm running a, a cabin con only campaign where we play there. The characters are eighth level and they're uh, carrying around this magical dragon egg. And they recently just learned that there's a chance this dragon could usher in the 14th age. So it might, we might have a new icon being born in our campaign. So that's what we're waiting on. What about this? Here's one. Um, what if dragons imparted the ability to use magic 
on mortal kind. Aspiring mages had to seek out a dragon and convince it or impress it enough to take them on as an apprentice for a time to teach them how to wield magic. The death of all dragons could spell the death of magic eventually. Oh, that's um, the same as uh, the movie we were just talking about. Not a not dragon not slayer. Dragon, dragon slayer. slayer. Yeah. Well, I guess technically the one guy did have a little magic at the end of the movie so maybe there was still a dragon left somewhere but that's oh. basically how they went there was Here's only the- magic the dragons and the wizards were connected couldn't have one without the other kind of thing well here patrick demo says this is interesting in his game world dragons are the physical embodiment of all seven deadly sins oh oh yeah some sort of cool. like what you were saying with the alignment yeah embodiment. yeah similar yeah. Here's one. Here's one too. I don't know how great this one is, but I kind of. It says, "What if the dragons only arise from their associated element? So, a, a red dragon would come out of a volcano, a white dragon would break out of the ice, um, for some purpose, foul or fair, when called forth due to some portent, an apocalypse, <laughs> a god. So, dragons don't really exist until they're needed. You know, maybe a good god needs." needs a savior or some icon for the people to look at so a gold dragon is born almost like they're in the avatar of that god almost like that or an apocalypse could be that when the red dragon is born the world will be destroyed and the red dragon in 13 days is such an engine of destruction <laughs> right yeah that's pretty cool i got one more unless you guys got some hit me with it no i kind of like one, the one that's going to be coming up oh what's that Okay. Um, one that I have? Or you want to well, read no, it? no, actually, you already said it. The one oh. where the dragons, um, it's not, I don't see it in the, oh, yeah, yeah, C. Oh. Dragons are the, dragons are where you get magic. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that one. Well, here's the last one I had. What if the dragons are the mortal forms of deities who only appear infrequently to keep a closer eye on their followers? Perhaps in this form, if discovered, the deity can be slain by mortals. That's also kind of Asian, too. Yeah. So if a dragon appears, he's literally a god, but he's a god who's no longer protected by his divinity. And so if that was a task, you know. That's how you get rid of the god. You have to you have to be opportunistic or trick it into coming into that form. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, very, very cool. I was imagining I was because, you know, I love to Joe says I like to screw the players, like maybe talk a good party into going to kill this dragon and it's really a good god yeah it's a good god and this evil person's like i want this god destroyed and maybe the dragon recently had to like maybe there was a town that was ravaged by a horrible disease and that dragon out of mercy had to kill them all because (laughs) because they were literally just dying from a slow rotting disease that had no cure and it would spread so it strafed this town and killed like you know, 800 people. And that would be so, that would be Joe. Randy, your players must love you the way my players love me. It's great. I would be lucky. I would be lucky if I would walk away with my balls intact. They would probably kick the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, like you jerk. (laughs) See, those things work great in novels and in movies and in TV shows, but you just sow bad blood by doing it to us. (laughs) Hey, I agree with Bruce here. Lombardo says, Bruce Lombardo, Dick's Division, Dragonheart, 
I think that's a cool idea for dragons. The whole how could save somebody. I, actually, I like that. And the movie was pretty good, too. Well, that was that's not how all dragons worked. That was just how. No, but it, it, would, it would be cool if they could. Yeah. I always like the idea of dry, dragons being super magical, doing things that people wouldn't expect. Doesn't mean they're slinging fireballs and stuff, but just something kind of cool and mystical. They need to do Weren't something they, uh, different all the time, right? I would like them to. That would be fun. They were smaller in Dragonheart too, weren't they? They were. See, Sean Connery, the one he voiced, was pretty good size. I don't know. They seem, uh, they seem to be big, but not, you know, they weren't gargantuan. Well, your third edition, Colossal Dragons, dude, they are ginormously huge. Oh. Hey, guys, I have my uh, Tuesday night group that's starting to assemble. We play at nine. Ooh. Okay. And um, I, I'm getting the high sign from the boss that, that folks are starting to show up. Face to face group? Yeah, yeah, right they're, they're they're rocking out upstairs. We play um, Chronicle Virus every every Tuesday night. So, oh, very cool. Um, right. It's a uh, hey, great system. I love it. Um, it's made by our friend Greg Lambert. Yeah, uh, good stuff. But folks, you know, they're showing up early, or I'm going late, one or the other. So I'm gonna bow right. out. Okay, buddy. <laughs> but Randy, right. I will. Um, I will be in touch with you because I think we can give a little preview. Yeah. Uh, R- Randy's going to swing by for a segment on Nerd Cognito next week. So, so yeah, uh, we will uh, we'll be in touch and chat. Thank you for uh, not calling for my head as much as I thought you should have. <laughs> have a good night, everybody. All right. Night, Ryan. All right. Uh... All right. Um. All right. I saw Green Apple joining us. Maybe he was here already. Boy, we got a lot of cool people tonight in the chat. Just chatting it up. Let me check Rumble real quick, Joe. Um. I made a couple of comments over there as well. Good deal. Yeah, I feel bad. You, you guys on Rumble. It's God. I'm so I'm so useless when it comes to commenting over there. I'm trying to help out, but not really doing it. All right. So did uh, you want to tell them to do the things? Dang, we're hour plus in. So you want to tell them to do the stuff, Joe? They probably should. Yes. It's time to do the thing. Subscribe, like, all that good stuff. All right. Yeah. Baby. Yes. Subscribe, like, share, comment um, on your, on, over in YouTube, over in Rumble. Um, and uh, if you are listening to us uh, in the podcast land, then – do similar things out there. Um, share the show. Make some. Uh, leave us a review. That would be cool. Yep. I might actually go look at them if I can figure out. Uh, figure out how to. I mean, it's been so long. I shouldn't. I should have a process where I go check our reviews, but I, I don't. Uh, yeah. So. You know, speaking of Rumble, over here chatting with Patties and Death Dog, and I'm trying to figure out, There's, I was going to say, how come I can't show their comments on <laughs> on YouTube? <laughs> uh, I'm so goofy. Uh, yeah, there's no way to share that stuff. I mean, uh, and they don't get amalgamated. I think if I was running something like, um, uh, oh, what is it called? can't remember the name of it now. There's some software that I could use instead of StreamYard, I think, if I wanted to be real fancy, 
in, or in addition to uh, where I can put all of those streams, uh, the commentary together, I, I think. But uh, uh, I don't think that that's going to work out very well because uh, with StreamYard, we're using their bandwidth. Um, okay. I, it would, I don't think it would work out as well if we try to originate it from here. Yeah. All right. You know, did you, uh, I think I've got it here. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Yeah, I have the, uh, I have it up. Do you good. You do it. Okay. So we watched, uh, we both read, uh, well, did you read, I read several articles. I didn't get through all of them. I made it. To I didn't get through all of them either. I skimmed most, I skimmed everything, but I didn't detail read all of it. Yeah. I didn't get to and, a couple of the ones I wanted to. I, I stopped at the, uh, Tolkien, I was reading them through, then I realized I'm not going to make it. Tolkien and Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but I did have some highlights of some things. So this is the Best of Dragon, Volume 1. So and here it is. I want to yeah. show the guys my – I've got a favorite Don't Don't move it. Here. Can I guess it? Can I guess your favorite article? No, article. Not article. Picture. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Well, what would you it. think my favorite article would be? Well – no, it wasn't the one I thought it was. I take it back. I thought you liked uh, How Big Is My Giant, but there's another one. How Heavy Is My Giant. But you liked a different one, too. There's another one you talked about back in the day. Let me see if I can find this picture here. There's a couple of really good ones. And there are. This is a, a collection of from from when it was called um, when it was called The Best of Dragon. Um, or The Dragon. Yeah, but it says... Best of The Dragon. Yeah, I think it's because it's mostly connected to OD&D, a little bit of first edition. Is it this one? No, that's not bad. Um, where is it at? This one's pretty good. I like this one a lot. This is, uh, there's an article on John, uh, on the um, Barsoom novels, John Carter of Mars. Uh, there was another one I thought was really good. That one, no. That might have been it. I'm not. I'm not seeing it. Anyway, yeah. Best of the Dragon, Volume One. I would have to say I did like. Article wise, I'm not sure if I can. Uh, um, boil it down to like my favorite article. No, there, there were a couple on magic. Um, was what did a, you think was... of it? Did you have an overall? I mean, you've read, you've probably been re now. I don't know. Did you, you were a pretty consistent reader of Dragon, right? Or were you on again, off yeah, again? Yeah. Yeah. So I was for a while, but you know, right. Cost and time. And yeah, yeah. I, you know me, I was fanatical about it. Uh, so this is basically OD&D. They reference a lot of OD&D in this one. Um, yes. Maybe some basic, but it's a conglomeration, a collection of articles, some from Gygax. Gygax had a couple. Um, in fact, could you show the table of contents there real quick? This is the cover. Yep. And this is from way back. Mm -hmm. um, from 78. Or there's an advertisement. It's a revision, actually, of this. This is a revision where they remove some of the, um, they called it a 1.1. It doesn't have the uh, com commercials. What are they called in magazine form? Ads. Ads. They removed all the advertisements. 
question. Let me pause because I want to answer Immortal Rising. Is Anvil Magazine the one we supported? Yes. Cool. We're going to get some of his, is it an eight page one shot? Excellent. Can't wait to read his books. Yes, sir, dude. I subscribed or I kickstarted that too. So I'm excited. Good deal. Yeah. So I read the introduction here and it said something about that 1.1 thing in here too. Yeah, at the very top. Third, yeah. And then, paragraph. yeah. And then it also was talking about that the articles that are in this uh, compilation were taken from. Uh, issues published from 75 to 78. So many of you were not alive then that are that are watching us right now. But yes, uh, very old. He talks about uh, typesetting. The uh, font was smaller in the old articles. And I think he said that they, didn't they um, preserve that in this? Yes, I think so. The font is kind of small. Yeah. So yeah, so it's very dense. Not a lot of, one of the things that I, I didn't like about there's there's several several there are a few articles about designing dungeons and wilderness and stuff like that but none of those have maps they're all just here's some text on how I'm going to tell you how you should do this but not but they're light on examples of yes they might have a text example but they don't have a, a like so this is how I draw a map yeah. this is how I put a map together but they don't have a, an example of a map that they've put together using that thing. Right. It's kind of weird. Kind of less helpful than it could be, a lot less. And did you notice that some, like the article on the planes was not nearly as long, but they got a lot of information there. That was mm -hmm. kind of the very first one. I don't know if you read that when I did. Yeah. Was, yeah. I thought it was kind of weird. Even Gygax admitted that it would be he makes he proposes the concept that weapons are made and connect the reason they're magical and can affect creatures from other planes and stuff that magic weapons can is because they're partially connected to other planes. And so you would set up a that if you wanted to make your world, how did he say it? Um, um, well, there's a here's an actual picture. Careful. Yeah, well, that's yeah, and that's color. So, and I've seen that before, probably when I had this one, this magazine I used to have. I don't know if I have it anymore. I used so to have suggestion is everything stuff. is kind of interconnected in this fashion, and this is kind of the cosmology of um, third, second, and third edition, right? Yes, it pretty much stayed the same. Unless someone can tell me otherwise, I will um, say yes. I'm going mostly on memory. It's not quite the great wheel, but it's close. So 24 close. is, oh, yeah, it is like the great wheel. It's pretty much the great wheel because you have the outer planes on the outside there, um, 18 through 25. Is that 18 or 10 through 25? And then the inner planes and the prime material plane. And what is number, is it number nine is the astral, number, I believe? Astral, yeah. So yeah. astral is between the physical planes and the outer planes. Yeah. Um, the dragon was very, I agree. Jack the 71st says, uh, was very much an oddball mix. And Bruce says it looks like the great will. Yeah. And um, I enjoyed the article. I thought it was kind of weird how he mentioned how you can keep track of weapons and what planes they're connected to. So if you take them to a different plane, they're less or more effective, but he does make the comment that it would take a lot of reworking of the D and D rules. So and there would be a lot of work to track. Dude, it was All tough enough. Oh Yeah. It was tough enough. I remember there was stuff like that back in the day where like these magic items work here and oh, don't work there. These spells yeah. work here. Don't work there. It's 
overly complicated. Dude, it used to be um, in Planescape, you had to have spell keys. Some yeah. spells wouldn't work in the certain, which it makes sense that some planes you couldn't, some planes you couldn't do certain things, but it did get awfully fiddly. And like, if you were a cleric, you're so many planes removed from your deity, you would lose levels in your spell casting. And that was just, but you could get items that could stop it. And I was like, you know, this just, I'm with you. It was too fiddly. Yeah. You can tell this, this uh, um, thing here is hand drawn. Yes. But there is something charming about it. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't read much about the uh, metamorphosis, metamorphosis alpha stuff, but I right. thought they had some cool articles. What I thought was most interesting was I'm trying to turn to the page. I'm looking at my PDF. Oh, look at this! And maybe it's because James Ward's article on it's on page four, called "Some Ideas Missed in Metamorphosis Alpha." And yes, it's like a half a co- it's one column on a page, and that's it. Yeah. Well, they're fleshing these things out, the chemical mm-hmm. radiation, chemical flammable, radioactive material, sensory intensifiers. Those are all fleshed out things that he felt that they missed in the um, in the uh, the booklet that they released at that time. And then he goes into some other explanations of things here, the second half of it, essentially. Um, he makes statements like it should be obvious, blah, blah, blah. And and I'm like, what? I hate when game designers or people in general. It should this should be obvious. Well, some things are obvious, I guess, but mm-hmm. having not read the original material, I don't know really what should be obvious. It's difficult. It's just like the um, when you said you can't be too. Um, what were you saying about giving? hints and clues you can't be too yeah, you can't you can't you can't be too obvious when it comes to giving clues absolutely not right so anyway yeah so i read through some of this stuff too i skimmed it really because i we didn't play i've never played metamorphosis alpha no did that I would become li- i would like to it sounded cool actually did this is this the game that became what was the other one gamma uh, world uh, I don't think so, nor did it become Star Frontiers. I believe it was, you're on the ship called the Warden, and it's like yeah. a living world ship. Right. So like, you can literally live in there. But uh, yeah, did you, if you look at that, did you notice the table of contents, dude? There's a lot of a lot. articles in this in this, in this this collection. Oh, okay. You get a lot of articles, a lot. Show the table of contents, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, dude. What a deal this was for six, five or six bucks. Back in the day, yeah. So, right. So they talk about D and D, the system at the time. Mm-hmm. They talk about Dungeon, which was, I think, a board game. Yes. Not the Dungeon Magazine, but a board right. game, because I didn't get it at first. No. But yeah. And they talk about. Uh, they have this article on. Um, well, the two on Metamorphosis Alpha, mm-hmm. and they have a an article about if you happen to be using the supplement for Barsoom in the chainmail supplement for Barsoom, yeah. here's an article for you about how cities could look. And I'm like, that's awfully obscure. Yeah. Um, they had the original Ranger class and, um, and a few other things. Uh, the Bard. Was and, the Bard in here? Yeah, there's a statistics regarding classes, Bards. I don't know if it's a, a conti- considering a new bard or I didn't get that it was like a reworking because bards 
that seemed like it was, here's my idea of what bards should be like. Um, I don't know if at the time that article was written, if the AD&D first edition had come out with the, that bard or with the, because that the bard for first edition was in a, an appendix, right? Yes. And that's where you had to dual class. This might've been pre first edition though. So it might've been from what, 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 what page is the bard on according to that the title? 40. Where is it at? Bard, 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 bard. 47. Okay. What's that? Oh, the illusionist variants. And then the bard. This the bard? doesn't, it doesn't look like an old, old D and D formatted. Um, no, it doesn't. You're right. Class. But There's illusionist tombs and crypts. Oh, where's the bard thing go? I thought it was in the same spot. Did bards get magic user spells? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Illusionist. Yeah, the bard's on. Uh, I can't read the page number in the actual forty-seven. Yeah. You sure oh. it says? Um... Oh no, this is pre-first edition. Pre-first edition. Yes, that's it, Jack. The seven. There we go. There we go. We're talking about so, the yeah, is... ECC. Thank you, sir. So this is. <clears throat> so considering. It's statted out to 25th level. Yep. There's no way that's... Uh, yeah, but you can be a first-level bard, and you don't have a special... The bards aren't, like, special class in this. You're just a bard. Just a bard. Yeah. This is pre... I'm, like, 99% sure this is all pre-first edition. But, as you know, again, D&D is so close, it's hard to say. Did you see the article a few pages back? I want to say page 45, if you can go back to 45... I think that's 45. Maybe it's a little bit. How effective is a Panzerfaust against a troll, Heinz? Oh, yeah. That's up <laughs> here. Yeah. I kind of started skimming that because. Yeah, yeah. But. Because, and of course, here we go again with the, I guess this is, this artwork here looks familiar. Oh, there's probably, there's no telling who it is. Looks like up here is perhaps the signature. Is the way that well, no, that looks like just some anyway. It kind of looks similar to an artist from that period, anyway. Um, what's your overall what's your overall thought on the, on the on the magazine, Joe? Now that you look at it with older eyes, say that again. I said, what is your overall thought on the magazine now that you look at it with older eyes? It's, uh, I think it's cool in some respects um, because it's something you can look back on and see where the game started mm -hmm. and how it developed. Because in, in this uh, book, it does present um, the this is illusionist generally appearing as a new class for Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. This is a reprint. So at the time this particular volume was written, it might have already appeared in the first edition AD&D book. I don't, I don't, I, I meant to see if I could figure that out because I don't know when this was, um, when this was uh, published, I was looking, most of these books have like most, you know, books have a, a, um, a published date or mm -hmm. a copyright date 
and okay. I and I was looking for that, and I didn't really see. Oh, here it is. Let's so this was this was <laughs> Jenny's hollering at somebody. <laughs> this was um, 1985. So when yeah. did the player first edition player's handbook come out? Oh, 70 something. But this is all for D&D articles. But these articles are pretty old, dude. Don't forget that. They collect them. Yeah, so the article is old. Um, so it was in the 70s when these came out. So it could, right. you know, who knows when exactly? I don't. Yeah. So it could be that that article came out before The Illusionist in the first edition um, AD&D player's handbook. And it would make sense because this doesn't look precisely like that. And it looks like a preview for AD&D because they yeah. have monkish combat in the arena of promotion. The illusion. Right. That, that was an article I didn't really care for. Really? They had little hand. Yeah. Let me, let me, uh, there's little hand drawn examples of how martial artists stand when they're doing their like those. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they talk about the different, yeah, um, the different attack forms and defense forms and all that stuff. And you know, some people will like that, but and I remember looking at it like that was cool. But then I'm thinking, yeah, it's it's too detailed. We don't do that with sword fighting. And there are, if you get into fencing, there are definitely. Uh, we have a dog that is trying to get my wife's food, and she's obviously not into it. Um, <laughs> no figure, but with fencing yeah. are specific types of, um, attacks and defenses. And I've heard people talk about these things. We don't deal with that when we're talking about any no. other kind, but they, a lot of people feel that you need to, uh, to do have this level of detail. Well, I think, you know, I was thinking about this. I was taking a bike ride yesterday. And one thing that crossed my mind, especially with this magazine was an old D I remember hearing, was it in Secrets of Blackmore when Tim Cask or somebody said, we thought 7th or 8th level was a superhero. They seemed unbelievable. Why would anybody want to be play any higher level? And so their concept was often grounded as much in reality as they could get. I know they had dragons and demons, but they tried their best, I think. Um, oh, Jack, the 71st, because the articles came from the Strategic Review. I don't know. This is is that what it, it says, says here? Best of Dragon magazine, right? Now maybe but, maybe Strategic Review is lumped into that in a continuum, yeah. but it's it's pretty specific in this article in, in this introduction that they took these from um, from Dragon magazine articles from the <laughs> Dragon. It says, um, Volume 1 stands by itself in our series of anthologies as the only collection of previously published articles that displays those articles with same titles, typography. Even These were published from 75 through 78, The Dragon. Yeah. So I think The Dragon had already changed to Dragon. Much of what appeared in those days ended up becoming part of AD&D. There you go. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so... So um, I, back when I had my it large might collection. be that the strategic review morphed into the dragon and they might have taken some of these from that. Yeah. And still call it the dragon because that's what it became. But but not knowing one of the the, the validity of that, it says specifically right here. They all came from 
the dragon. So I don't think I owned any dragon magazines titled the dragon, but I did have ones. My favorite editors were probably Kim Mohan and Roger Moore. Um, you would know because there was a very big difference in quality. Yes. Pictures it, from the, yeah. It was all, it was much more professional. There was a, um, I don't know if it was gradual, but you can definitely tell a difference between, I mean, at some point, the the old, when you look, if you look at some of the older covers, they're really not that good. Yeah, check this out, dude. I can't share while you're there. Can I, can I, sh can I present over your presentation or not? No. Okay. I'm just going to are. I can oh, stop no. it if you want to share. Yeah, it. if you would, I, I want to show you this picture of the dragon i just pulled up dragon magazine um picture of dragon magazine number one um that's the very first one actually that's not the worst that's not the worst dragon it's not but yeah it's a little side yeah um agreed sorry go ahead yes yeah yeah. Yeah. Jack is Jack is confirming what Bruce said. Looks like strategic review turned into the dragon, which turned into dragon magazine. Yeah. I, I had a buttload. I must have had 200 dragon magazines at one time, but I collected later on, like in the late seventies or eighties when I started reading dragon, I think. But I think, uh, uh, okay. So there's another article in here, uh, from Gary Gygax about, uh, it's kind of a short article on the evolution from older versions of D&D, &D, mm -hmm. inception of D&D &D from Chainmail to what was current at the time of the article. Right. And it pretty much um, goes along with what most of us know of the history. And, you know, there's some opinions in there, um, but it's mostly uh, from Gary Gygax's point of view. It would be interesting to have a similar article from that time from from Arneson. Yes. Both points of view. Because mm -hmm. according to this article, according to Gary Gygax, he got like 15 or 18 pages of notes that he then transformed into 300 pages of, of manuscript for D&D uh, &D at the time. Yes. So. Joe, I have to step away for a minute. I'll come right back. Sorry, bud. Sure thing. So, yeah, uh, I will say if I had to take it to, well, that was a good article because it kind of uh, gelled a little bit of the history for me. Um, I liked the introduction here because it gives a little bit of history about this particular set of articles. And it's uh, worth, I think it's it's a, a good read. Um, I've, been listening um re-listening to all of the mars um stories on audio and it was cool seeing this article i'm, I'm going to get more into it's a short article it's not very long so i'm going to read through it in more detail it's about the cities because uh, on barsoom which is what the denizens of mars in in uh edgar rice burroughs set of novels calls mars they call it barsoom um, there was once a great civilization that spanned the whole planet, <clears throat> and uh, but it's in decay, and there's lots of ruined, deserted cities. 
and he goes into some detail when John Carter goes uh, comes across them. So you learn some interesting things that they had a lot of culture, um, uh, that they were most likely most uh, more like humans on planet Earth rather than the varied races that are there now, uh, or <clears throat> at the time John Carter's there, where he had the green and the red and the black and the yellow and the white. And um, I think that the it's, it's more interesting, in my opinion, than the movie that Disney released, where it only it showed the red and the white, but none of the other ones, or then the green. But um, there was a black and a yellow as well. And uh, it's a really interesting how they all kind of gel together in the story in relationship to its old history, where many of them kind of intimate that they're more like just humans and somewhere along the line um, that civilization um, decayed and devolved into the various different races because of the way, I guess, because of the environment Um, water was plentiful, air was plentiful at the time John Carter's there. uh, They have to, they have to have an atmosphere um, plant that, cre- that generates oxygen for them to breathe and most of the water is underground so and locked in in the uh, at least the, is, I can't remember if it's the southern pole or if it's the northern pole where there, where all the ice is at but um, yeah it's an interesting article um, there's a couple on the magic system where Guy Gats goes into detail about how the magic system works in D&D because at the time of the article being written, there's lots of misconceptions, apparently, um, which <clears throat> makes me feel a little bit better about the way we kind of <laughs> treated our games. Uh, apparently, a lot of it happened with a lot of people. Um, the biggest one being, um, according to the article, the one that he mentioned, so it seemed, if you mention it, it seems like it was probably at least uh, one that got on his nerves uh, where wizards can just cast the spells that they know as much as they want. Um, and so uh, either people were misunderstanding somehow the rules or they weren't reading them or they were just doing their own thing. And what I like about the article is he says that the game is um, alterable, expandable, suitable to your table, what you want to do. He does say that if you go too far, it's not D&D anymore, but like every other time where Gygax says that, he doesn't give any details about what specifically how far you have to go to where it's not D&D, so, which is good because we can all do what we want with our games. Um, let me look at this uh, contents again. Um. Let me share it again. We can look at some of the art. There we go. All right. So here's that uh, <clears throat> hand-drawn graphic for the planes, how they are laid out. It's very much like the wheel, the great wheel. Um, 
this is some art from metamorphosis alpha and apparently you're stuck on this ship this world ship like randy was saying and you're all um generated from the vats or something within the ship and you have random abilities you can be as insignificant where's that article at where is that yeah you can have just one mutation and one minor skill and that's all you have and your one minor skill could be um food service so you could be the cook with just one mutation and you're probably um i would say you're probably not going to be as interesting as and you're not going to have have as <laughs> some of these more interesting abilities um if you're really high you could have two major um and three minor skills you could have lots of mutations it's probably it's 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 diminishing returns because if you roll too high on the a mutation uh, table it's death so kind of like uh, some other uh, game systems you can be you can die during character creation which is funny um but yeah you're you're grown and you're expected to get the ship working better and um because there's lots of broke things which is why you have mutations apparently um, let me see what else I can find here. So this is an example of an article that talks about how you make your dungeons. And this is the extent of the, of the how to part the pictures, the, uh, illustrations of how you, um, of how you do your thing. Um, how you lay lay out your dungeon and that is the only of uh, there's like three or four articles about how you can have your map how you can have it laid out and how you can have your dungeon designed but these are the only pictures and they were fine but i found them these articles less useful without some kind of illustrations um some interesting i think there's a one at the very end with demons yeah there is an article here um because this was this was this is a very old article which references elders wizardry which was the sole at the time sole um repository of demon uh, um material for the game and uh it, it, instead of having just all your demons being standard, it has a, t a neat table here for you to generate um, your demons on the fly, and it doesn't take up that much space. And you have a you can make all kinds of. It didn't say it doesn't have any indication here how many different combinations there are, but it looks like you can have lots of demons that are very different from each other which is pretty cool instead of you can pull a ringer and say, here's a demon and make it maybe look like a particular demon, but have it have different abilities. So you can throw off the players a little bit, which is, which is fine. We need to be kept on our toes. 
this is um an early cartoon um not the best uh, illustration here kind of indicative of early art for D D. um let's see there's a whole article on japanese mythos this may have uh this probably is also another pre-existing bit of ad and d um material before they had the deities and demigods or manual of planes um but i really think this is a cool window into the past it showed and if you've played D&D over the different editions you can see where some of the ideas came from um apparently dragon magazine was a a testing ground proving ground for a lot of concepts that did make it into the game eventually not not all of them i would say probably not half of the articles were here's a cool idea i don't think half of it actually got into the game but a good amount of it did uh, let's see here. Some old ad, uh, ads. Join the only official Dungeons and Dragons game club, the RPGA from back in the day, back in the uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is an ad for the RPGA as it existed in the eighties. Probably, I don't think they had an RPGA in the seventies. They probably called it something else, if there even was one. Let's see. All right, let's get rid of this. All right, Randy is still not with us. Um, let's see. Jack the 71st. The demon generation article would later be would be later refined into the random demon generation table for the DMG. I imagine so. But I, I, one of the other things is uh, I think we were talking about it earlier. There was a lot of info packed into fewer words. Um, I think the older the game got, the more verbose it got. Um, even if you discount the, the font size, I think it got more verbose and um, had, well, I like art. It probably had a little bit too much. And it made the books more expensive, made it bigger. Um, the way that the writing was here is much more succinct. And I, I like it better. Let's see here. Bruce says he, I had the magazine compilation on CD-ROM for years. Yes. Um, it's, I don't know if you can run it on the modern computers. But yeah, it was on a CD-ROM back in, was that back in the 80s or the early 90s? Something like that. They had uh, 300 or 250, 250 issues of Dragon Magazine on a single CD. And we were all amazed at how much you can get onto one CD back in the day. Bruce also says the better rag at the time was the House Magazine for Judges Guild in the late 70s once it became Dragon Magazine. Then the quality started to take off, roughly 82. Do you remember what the name of that was? 
that would be cool to find out. Um, I might have seen uh, that magazine a couple times. I never bought it. I liked a lot of the old Judges Guild stuff. They had a similar problem with layout, but they did pack in a lot of stuff in a small space. Uh, so Bruce says the many people have set the CD-ROM released in, in, in 1999. That sounds bright. And put them into PDFs to share for everybody. <laughs> Overhung. What's that? Would that be the piratey type of thing? All right, Randy's the Dungeoneer. That's cool. That is the old Judges Guild rag from back in the day. It'd be cool to see if I can find any of those. Let's see. Where's that? There. All right. So I think, uh, is it really, it's all cracked up to be. Um, I think it's, uh, while it probably doesn't stand the test of time in production quality, uh, especially art for the most part, um, layout's not great. Um, but I think that many of the articles contain still things that you can, um, you can, perhaps even used to this day and some indication of some history on the game. I think it's more historical piece than gaming, unless you're um, currently running um, chainmail. If you're playing chainmail then and you don't have this, then it could be very useful. Um We haven't got to that yet, Martinson, but we will. Um. Uh, sorry, man. Did I miss all the fun stuff? Well, I got to the the question that is this particular segment. Ah, okay. Is it really all it's cracked up to be? Ah. I don't know what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> so my well, thought is, yeah, did you like it? Does it does it ring like, hey, yeah, this is good stuff? It's more, for me, it's more of a nostalgia. It's more I agree. nostalgic than it is uh, than it is um, useful. Yeah, I mean, you can. There's some things, uh, even though they didn't have any drawn or 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 whatever maps, you could probably get some useful information out of the articles. With in reference to how you put your dungeon, your wilderness, and your towns together, there's probably some good stuff in there. Yeah, I don't just know. Mean, it was written so long ago. I don't know if it's unique though. Yeah, or if it's a. I'm not sure. It's it seemed only moderately uh, applicable. Um, it's funny that you know I have the first Gygax magazine. I never got a second issue. I have. Yeah, a bunch I did of, too. I have a bunch of the Cobalt Quarterlies. Um, magazines like that, you know, and currently Mad Scribe magazine is coming out. Anvil's going to be out, but that's more of a story magazine. I really hope, I would love to see magazines make a comeback. Um, I'm going to collect as many as I can related to, to gaming that are good. Um, but yeah, this one just seemed to be more nostalgia, nostalgia driven, though there was bits and pieces I appreciated. It was weird 
you know, it was kind of weird seeing some of the articles like, well, you know, there are actually, there are dungeons with more than one entrance. And they talk a lot about writing their dungeon or creating their dungeon. They didn't talk much about, you know, a campaign, not in the way we think about it, but it was, it was old school. What you going to do, right? Right. And there was some reference in there about, yeah, the your dungeon. This is my dungeon. That's whatever you're playing. Like we would say adventure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shall we, uh, you want to move on to the campaign analysis? It's 930. Or you want to call it quits and do it next time? Oh, um, you feel like we could probably bump it. It doesn't matter to me. We can, whatever. I think it'd be better if I bumped it because I got some stuff I got to deal with here. Uh, Martinson asked about updates on tickets sold. Have you seen any updates? I've, I finally Five got tickets. Damn. People. I hope they buy the tickets to Big Geek Con. I want it to happen. It'll be sad if it doesn't. So, yeah, I put uh, I put it out there on OSR Conservative RPG Facebook group. Cabin Con reminded them. I'm trying to get our boys out there to get jiggy and buying their tickets. And some of them are kind of last minute dudes anyway, which is which is a problem because we can't wait too long because I don't want to get stuck with that bill if we don't have enough people to pay for it. So, but any uh, update on BGE? Uh, we we did a fairly sizable um, update um, last week. Cool. And fixed some bugs over the weekend. Uh, hopefully, it was one particular. Well, the devs were saying that it was a general error, but only one person was telling me he was having problems with uploading oh, okay. pictures and PDFs. Um, but that got fixed. Oh, okay. Good deal. Um, I don't know if David Gwill is still listening, but I have got that. I think we've got the final draft of the module, and I think I'm happy with it. Uh, I need to read it in more detail, but he did one heck of a job getting it all put together. Um, what's that called? Laying it out and editing. So Editing. I will yeah. say, the one one of the things about the, the, the Dragon Magazine we were just looking at. Yeah. There were a couple of typos that I noticed. Yes. But but in general, I think even with the, the layout not being great, uh, it probably has less typos and grammatical errors than we see in stuff these days. Oh, definitely on Internet articles for sure from certain websites we know about. Right. Well, I'm talking about produced um, games. I can. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm thinking. um Especially during, okay, when was it that we got, like, the errata from hell? Was that third edition? Oh, third edition seemed like it, yeah. But always some errata coming out. Always. And I, I can't I can't read too many books these days without, there's a typo, there's a typo, there's a typo, there's a typo. This is a weird sentence, blah, 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 blah. I didn't get a lot of that from this. There was a couple. But it's not very long work, so I think um, I think the uh, at least um, the spelling of the the article writers was a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> but that might even be an artifact of just being overly wordy. Yeah. The more words you write, the more you're going to get spelled wrong. So. Yeah. True. Well, um, 
We need to put that. Uh, Flady said, how many tickets? And I told him 20 for the Big Geek Con. Did you drop the link on the Discord servers? I don't think we have. Pretty, yeah. Have you? I think okay. I have. All right. But I can do it again. I should probably do it like once a week or twice a week or something. Like that. I did get a good response from a guy named, named Colin that was at VengerCon. He says he might, he thinks he's going to be able to make it, which is kind of cool, but I'm trying to push them to get those tickets. So last minute stuff just isn't going to work. I don't want to, I mean, I could put all that cash in, you know, if, if I paid for it up front and just counted on people showing up, I mean, our friends would probably show up the day of and say, how much to get in? I mean, they're going to do that. So, and we'll oh, charge, Lord, yeah. and we'll charge a price if you just show up last minute, but I guess I just got to take a chance. I don't know. I may, I may, I may end up eating it and just see what happens. See if I can put faith in what I'm paying. So, but um, I don't know if I would want to charge 30 bucks if you pay the day of, I think I'd say nah, 40. So who knows? Maybe I'll do it. So I really want it to happen too. Flady. I want big geek con to happen. I want to, I want to get some gaming in. I want to see a lot of people that said they're going to come and be fun and excited about the whole idea. I think it'd be neat. Joe seems to head it out right away, but um, so yeah. Um, I think he's back. <sighs> well, all right. you about ready to call it, dude? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, you guys know where to find us on all the, uh, socials we're there uh like subscribe share us wherever you uh view us or listen to us your favorite podcatcher of choice i guess that too if you want to drop us a few coins you can do that on uh, paypal and ko-fi and patreon which i have i have an idea for patreon i'd like to talk with you a few minutes about that sure and, thing and our website is podcast.com and email is the geeks at biggest geekuspodcast.com and of course check out Big Geek Emporium where you can get all that gaming goodness for your for your table at biggeekemporium.com all kinds of sweetness going on there please check it out um, good stream a lot of good discussions um, got a little uh, testy at times with uh, some people not happy with Ryan David but oh well um, I don't know I still don't fully understand it and I don't think I need to it's uh, between them, so they'll figure it out. But anyway, any other comments, Mr. Joseph, before we get out of here? Head over to um, tabletop, tabletop.events to find Big Geek, uh, the Big Geek Con. It uh, will have a link in the description as well. Also, head over to... huh. Flady just said he would donate some tickets. Oh, wrong one. Flady said he would donate some tickets. Um, yeah, Bruce, that's a long, the Ryan David situation is a long, long story that I don't fully understand. And I'm not going to repeat it because I don't know. It's some people he got into a, uh, a dust. People are just overly sensitive and can't let things lie. That kind of thing. You know, people. It happened on Twitter. Dude, don't your friends piss you off? Joe pisses me off sometimes. Martinson pisses me off sometimes. Patrick pisses me off sometimes. So what? Get over it. Move on. Yeah. It's yeah. not the end of the world. But anyway. Um, all right. Well, this is Randy. And this is Joe. And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us. And dragons do rule, lady. 